very special episode of the bloody stream uh if you can't tell by me doing the intro and may i say not fucking it up so far i think uh it is just me today i wanted to kind of match brian's energy that he did when having a single episode to himself this is actually the first time i've done a podcast episode for myself so um, i do see this as a direct competition with brian so if you could let us know uh, who did a solo episode better? That that would be much to my liking. Let's get right into it. For mentions this week, I have uh, Sweetheart, which is actually a film that I'd watched probably a few months back. Now it's streaming on Netflix. It's a. Uh, it was during my phase of waking up in mysterious circumstances. If you remember that, uh, it's a uh, wake up on an island. You know, pretty much everybody's dead, and there's like. Is, it very much is a horror film because there's like a mysterious monster that attacks the island every every night. I I think that one was like a smiley face, may, maybe pushing into a uh, into a Mr. Cool. I don't I don't know. The Rotten Tomato score is very high for it. Um, I just remember being a little bit bored. Maybe I was in a bad mood that day. I don't know. Me and Brian also this weekend watch Everything Everywhere All at Once. If you haven't heard about it already, the everybody is raving about it and saying it is quite literally one of you know, one of the better films that has been made. Um, I, I think that that is probably a little bit, you know, I like I really like it. I'd probably give it Mr. Cool or Ghost Skull Alien, maybe probably Ghost Skull Alien on a second watch. But uh, I think it's a little, little hyped over, you know, I think it's still some it's not a perfect film. I don't, I don't know. That was also not horror. So I probably shouldn't be talking about it here, but it is something worth mentioning, I think. But today we're not talking about either of those films. We're talking about the platform i keep saying we and i feel like it you know it's just me so i'll say i'll say i from now on what i am talking about today is the platform 2019 currently streaming on netflix likely to stay there i think uh this this film i i would rate this one now i'm struggling with this a little bit because you know i'm it's here me alone for the first time so i've had a few drinks i had a few drinks while watching the film um and so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it's it's pushing Ghost Skull Alien for me right now. Personally, I don't know. It may maybe just Mr. Cool. I probably need a second set of eyes on it to, to discuss with. The reason for my rating being so high is at, at least three main things going on in it. One, it does exemplify some of my narrative ideas of why I love horror as a genre in that it uh, horror situations can act as what I call a hyper catalyst for character development. And we see that in not so much the other characters that are encountered, but the main character here, we see him change very rapidly as he ascends through the film, we'll say for now. Uh, second, it is also undeniably a direct and clear criticism of capitalism uh, and serves as like kind of a little finite box where you can have like this whole hypothetical situation where you can approach different uh, solutions to how, how to deal with capitalism and how to, how to like make life better for everybody and like what some of the outcomes might be. And I, I think in like a, a, a fairly, fairly, uh, you know reason reasonable way i think like the the things that happen within the film are very you can't deny that it makes sense for like what would happen if people were in the situation and uh regardless of how you feel about capitalism if you if you haven't listened to the podcast before you probably 
I mean, I know that I'm like very clearly like a full leftist, so that might, you know, there might be some bias that you're going to hear it throughout this, but I'm going to try to keep it to kind of what the film's message is as we go through it. And then uh, third, which, you know, I've been watching a few videos and reading some stuff on like what other people have commented on about it. And something that I see everybody else is missing is there's also like very clear allusions to uh, Dante's The Inferno, which is the first of three portions in his uh, The Divine Comedy. Um, and I'll, I'll mention that where I remember to throughout some warnings for this film. Uh, there is one scene where there's, uh, you know, it, it throughout the film, I think probably there is like some fear of sexual assault. It never actually happens on camera or nothing. None, sexual assault never comes to happen, but like it is, it is there in a present fear. Uh, and there, I, I will just be up front. There, you know, just so you know, I'm sorry, it is a little bit of a spoiler before the spoiler configuration, but there is a dog, and this is a fucked up situation, so you can imagine that the dog doesn't end up in the in the best, doesn't have the best outcome, you know? So, do that what you will. As for vibe, you know, um, the uh, if you look at the cover of the film, this kind of, it put me off for a little while, because uh, the, the cover makes it seem like it's going to be like... You can already tell it's a low-budget film, and it's gonna. You feel like it's gonna maybe be a little bit uh, darker in uh, in light. I always talk about lighting. I think I think dark lighting can really take away the fun from a movie and make it just kind of like a more boring experience. This was like a a. I thought that it might be slow from the cover, but this is actually like a quite enthralling movie. And it just kind of moves at a very good clip. It's only like an hour and a half. Um, the entire thing pretty much takes place between like inside of concrete cubes so there's not much setting or anything but like you're i think that the the dialogue that's happening the acting is good enough and like the plot is all sufficient to keep you quite enthralled throughout um should you watch the movie first i mean i would say a lot of the fun of the movie is like seeing what people are going to do when they try out different things like what kind of outcome there's going to be so i mean i'd say watch it for it's not you know it won't kill you to, to listen to this first, but I'd, I'd recommend watching it first. I think this is a really good movie. Another thing I want to mention is that uh, I've been trying to watch this movie for a long time, you know? And when I'm trying to watch movies with people, this is like in the rotation of movies I bring up every time. And nobody ever wanted to fucking watch this movie with me. So I think that's probably why also I give it a little bit of a higher rating because I'm very happy that I like saw, I knew it was going to be good and nobody really believed me, I think. And so finding out that it is quite good and that I'm going to go make everybody else watch. Now I get to be, I get to do the, I told you so, you know? So maybe if you listen to this and go watch it, you'll get to be the, I told you so friend to everybody else. So, you know, go, go watch it and check it out. Uh, with that, I'll, you know, in case you're not sold yet, I haven't a little bit about the plot. Like the main thing that you're going to see in all the little intros and everything is that, uh, the, the main plot is that every people are inside of this basically a prison where there are many levels and once a day there is a platform that lowers down into your level where you can there's a bunch of food on the platform but it's only the food that has been left over from the levels above you and whatever you leave over is what's going to go on to the levels below you and so uh you know it goes through that and generally like you wake up on random levels every month so that that's pretty much all you need to know to like entice you or not. I know it's kind of like gimmicky and obviously already you can probably detect that uh, the 
anti-capitalist messaging is going to be very like on the nose and not hard to detect throughout this. But uh, I, I still think there's a, there's a lot to pick apart here. And it's uh, it's kind of a shame that I don't have anybody else here with me, especially if I had like a capitalist here with me. I think that would be wonderful to to pick apart some of these ideas with them. So maybe I'll have to have some follow-up conversations. But with that, I'm going to pull out. I'm, I'm, so imagine that I'm now in that, in the attic where the spoiler configuration is kept. Um, I'm not sitting, there's usually a mattress in that attic. I don't know if you, I don't know if you visualize it the same way I do, but it's kind of like a, you know, it's a, it's like at the top of a, a pointed cabin. So the, the roofs are slanted, you know, and uh, there's a dirty mattress in the ground. It's always where I imagine Brian sitting when he opens it, but I'm not going to sit on the dirty mattress because, like, I I don't know what's on there. You know when a mattress is, like, old and it's got, like, stains and there's no covers on it or anything? Like, you don't want to sit on that thing. That's not that's not me personally. So I, you know, standing up, fully closed, probably wearing shoes because I don't want to fucking get tetanus or something, uh, gently hold this this spoiler configuration, do the, the sensual thumb circle. And there's also a lot of other rotations that need to be done that I think Ryan doesn't let you all onto, but there's there are several flips and, and, and things that need to be moved around before you can finally open the spoiler configuration. Also, if I'm talking too fast, I mean, I know you can't let me know, but like, let me, you know, just like send me, send me those signals. I know, I know you're out here waiting for it. I know you're waiting for the episode. You want it to come out. So like, just just send me a little bit of a, the psychic vibration to let me know that, hey, Hori, maybe you should slow down a little bit. I get I get excited, and when I don't have somebody else's energy to kind of bounce off of, I can I can run away with myself. You know, it's 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 a problem. But the platform, 2019. This is a Spanish film for my uh, white friends that don't know when it when you, somebody says Spanish, it specifically means Spain. I used to refer to it as Spanish just to make it more clear um, before like the, there's a lot of terminology around like what country you're from from spanish-speaking countries that is like a little bit difficult sometimes to decipher but this is a spanish film i believe from spain um some of the cast is uh ivan uh masege as gareng is going to be our main character that we're going to talk about a lot uh you know i'm not going to go through all the actors names but uh trimagasi is his first roommate this is where we wake up uh let me let me backtrack a little bit. There is a fancy intro at the beginning where we see like a bunch of uh, this is like the only place that has like a lot more color to it. It's not like these concrete cubes that everybody's in. Um, it's clearly like outside of the facility or at the top level of the facility uh, where we see people preparing the food that's going to go throughout what we find out is called the hole. This is the prison. Now, we keep coming back to this throughout the film and seeing people continuing to prepare really nice food and like how intricate it is. And eventually you find out it's like everybody's favorite meals that are being prepared there. And uh, we also like, there's a scene where clearly the master chef, I don't know what they're called uh, or the, the main guy like finds a hair in one of the foods and he like is, you know, really shaking down everybody about whose hair it is and like who fucked up. So they like, clearly are obsessive about making the food perfect. I, to be honest with you, could not decipher exactly what they were trying to say with the amount of care that was taken to make the food perfect for the whole. And uh, the people who prepare the food is called the administration. So we might hear to me refer to them as that throughout. Uh, 
these these scenes that are outside of the hole. Another thing that we keep coming back to is the interview process that uh, Goran goes through to get into into here. So uh, if I mention anything about what you know, like his process before getting here, it is through these kind of flashbacks that happen. But generally, the movie starts with Goran waking up at level forty eight, and he is there, and like the the way that the, the way that all of the cells are is basically these concrete cubes. There's a bed on one side. There's a bed on the other side. And there's like a square hole in the center to the side of the hole. On one side, there is a sink to clean your stuff up with. And the other side of the hole, there is a, a light that starts out red. And next to it, there's a green light that is not on currently. Uh, here is like we get a lot of just exposition with uh, Goreng asking his, his roommate, Trimagasi, basically like what's going on. So we get a lot about pretty much this whole situation with the food going down. Uh, also, I should mention like the, the very first line of dialogue in the film is before Goreng wakes up. And it is a quote that uh, I believe three Magasi is saying, which is basically those at the top. There, there's only three kinds of people. Those at the top, those at the bottom and those who fall. Uh, and we'll see that those who fall actually is a, is a double meaning situation, which is both, people who throw themselves like down through the levels, through the hole, because they can't take it anymore. They get thrown down. And I believe to be uh, those who fall morally and uh, lose sight of their ideals while they're in here. Now, the food system, if you're wondering about some more details about that, because I, you know, for me, it was very important. Like whenever you have one of these gimmicks, I got to know everything about it. Right. So like this is clearly some sort of weird sci-fi future uh, most of it, it's not. It doesn't play. The movie doesn't play a sci-fi. But like, the only reason I say that is because the platform is not like connected to anything. It just kind of floats between the levels. Uh, and it's when it comes down to your level, your red light turns to green. You have a not very, like a few minutes tops to eat, and the platform keeps moving down. And then during the night, uh, all the lights are red, and at some point, the platform rises back up to the top very quickly. So like it would be enough to kill you if you tried to like hop on it or anything. Um, the food, uh, when you see the platform, it is like one of those fancy ass rich people feasts, you know, like fully like all sorts of fancy silverware and like big plates. And, uh, you know, you know what, like when you see people eating off this platform, there's anything left there. It's like that kind of thing where they're like shoving meat into their mouth and like, they're like cracking bones, you know, like that, the whole like they do very disgusting eating in this film, so that that could be kind of disturbing for some people. Uh, another thing that you might be wondering is like, why don't you just swipe some food off the platform to keep for yourself for later? And what they actually do is, if you do have, if you keep any, try to hoard any food off the platform. Uh, also, can I mention I'm I have disco on like pretty quietly right now, just because I don't have to listen to anybody else, and it is like it. Kind of sucks to do a podcast without any music on. I like to always have music on in the background. So this is like, I'm really grooving over here, just so everybody knows. Anyways, if you hoard any food, they somehow know immediately and they start either raising or lowering the temperature of your cell very quickly. So you either get burned to a crisp or freeze to death. So you have to like it. it that turns off the second that you throw the food down the hole. So you're really not, you really can only eat when it's there. Um, and it makes for a pretty foolproof system. I wasn't finding a lot of times in this movie where I was like, well, why don't you just do this? Like they, they like really kind of 
you know, really tied up any loose ends with how the system works. Now, when he's talking, when Gorang is talking to uh, Trimagasi, uh, he lets him know, and we see this through the interviews, that uh, he's there by choice uh, because they he he had a deal where if he goes there for six months, he can get a basically a college degree, uh, which, I mean, I don't even... It, honestly, I, I think that's like kind of a weak thing. Uh, it's you know hard. It's like not even a metaphor, right? Like it, the needing to go through this capitalistic hell in order just to get to it to, to get a degree that may or may not help you on the outside, right? Like this is this is just very on the nose capitalist, anti-capitalist sentiment. Uh, Trimagasi, on the other hand, uh, he has this whole story where he was watching a commercial where they were offering this this knife called the uh the what's it what's it fucking called this the samurai max and it or it was like some something that helps you like sharpen knives so that all of your knives can be really sharp and uh they had a bunch of housewives saying that like it changes your life basically and he realized that he did not care enough about his life and he wasn't watching out for the little things so he buys that and then after he buys it, he immediately sees a commercial for the Samurai Plus, which is a knife that self-sharpens, so you don't need the Samurai Max anymore. And he took that as an insult and a joke on his life, and he throws his TV out the window, accidentally killing someone. And that they gave him the option between going to a psychiatric ward or going into the hole for, I don't think he says how long. So now we know that in the hole there are people that are both there by choice to like get ahead in life somehow or are there as an alternative to other punishments and we also have Trimagasi uh, as a character who is is when we think about it is somebody who like kind of fell for this idea of, of materialism within capitalism and he's like clearly upset by it and I the Anybody that I've heard talk about him sees him as like a pure villain. I'm going to talk in a little bit about like why I think he's actually like a more of a representative of. Uh, again, this is going to be like a lot of leftist ideas coming from me, so I apologize. I'm not trying to soapbox here, but this is literally what the movie's talking about. This is just what I'm seeing from it. I would love if you want to discuss any of this with us, uh, please with me. Please come on to our Discord. There's links in our link tree. I'm sure they're all around and easy to find. Um, and I would I would love to discuss this with you, or you can come on another episode sometime. But I I see uh, Trimagasi as actually like the the liberal character in all this, who is actually trying to be a good person while still adhering to this system. So he very much is teaching Gorang not to try to fuck with the system that that will only like lead to life being harder for him. He lets him know that there's at least two hundred levels, just because of where he's uh, how far he's gone and uh that he could still see levels below him they end up having like a there's like a fun little montage where they're having a bromance they're like working out together naked they're cleaning their clothes together they're having fun uh we find out that everybody can bring one object into the hole with them for goreng it is the book don quixote now i'm not going to talk a lot about don quixote because i haven't personally read it but as i understand it uh the the plot of Don Quixote, like the main character, it directly follows the journey that Goren goes through. So 
I don't I don't even think there's much more to say about that. Like if you know the book, it should be very like this should be very like clear what is what is those kind of parallels that are going on. Uh, Trimagasi, on the other hand, brings the samurai plus, which, you know, immediately brings like threat into the film. And I should say going into this film, I was a little worried that it wasn't going to be like horror horror. But this is absolutely a horror film. Like we're going to get into some into some violence coming up now. After their little bromance montage, we get uh, Miharu, who shows up. Now, she is literally riding the platform down. And Trimagasi lets uh, Goreng know that Miharu is like every month rides the platform down looking for her son. Um, So it doesn't, doesn't matter how high she is. She always like rides the platform back down looking for him. And... This is where we see that on the next level down, she gets attacked by men and, you know, kills them. And uh, Trimagasi lets Gorang know that she usually always starts out by killing her roommate and then, like, having to kill many people on the way down. Uh, so that's that's an important thing to remember. Uh, Miharu, like, a lot of these people, their names mean things. So Gorang, because you, you, you can tell even for Spanish, these names are not super common. Gorang... Uh, in Indonesian or Malay means fried. I don't know what the what the significance of that. Termagasi means thank you in Indonesian or Malay. Uh, it's we have a few like that uh, where I don't really understand why that's their name. But uh, Miharu in Japanese means to guard, to watch over, to open one's eyes wide. So she is like one of the first characters that is like really trying to do something different in the whole rather than just submitting to, to what it is. And during, while Goreng is still trying to fig- get his bearings and is talking to Trimagas about what they might be able to do. He does try to talk to the people on the level below him. And, uh, Trimagasi basically treats them like they're lower class and going as far as to, to piss down the hole at them and saying like do not like talk to them like they will mistreat you the second they're above you uh and then he when Godang tries to talk to the people above him Trimagasi has like what you might expect uh a very negative idea of all the people on the higher levels is people who will just abuse them general idea being that nobody can trust anybody in the hole because it doesn't matter what level you're on right now if anybody's ever a level above you they will mistreat you um, of course, going back to these sentiments of anti-capitalism, right? Now, we know, like, Goreng, uh, Trimagasi has told Goreng that when, like, every month, they switch levels. And it's not based on anything. You stay with the same roommate, but you end up on a completely different level. It's completely random. And we know right now, like I said, there's at least 200 levels. Uh, Trimagasi has only been as far down is 140 some but when goreng wakes up there's always like a gas that goes on at the uh, end of the month and that's they like make you pass out and that's when they move you from level to level now goreng wakes up at level 171 they were previously level 48 where trimagasi said it's actually like a very good level to be at at level one and there you could already see that there was like mostly scraps that they were eating off of. Um, and it, the, the eating the scraps is kind of gross as uh, Goreng puts it. Like if there's um, 47 levels above them, that's that's what, 90, 94? 
people that have already this 94 people scraps so at level 171 you or you you don't there's no food left whatsoever so goreng wakes up already tied up to his bed and uh this is where i'm going to talk a little bit more about trimagasi uh representing like what liberal sentiment might be in this kind of situation because trimagasi has tied him up letting him know like hey i know that like you are basically like a you're a person with a good heart you have a good sense of moral we will start out fine but eventually over time we will get so hungry that like uh, i should mention that is quite old while goreng is, is is pretty like young and uh you know still strong and he's like you our friendship will eventually erode and we will there will be mutual distrust and like you will kill me in order to eat my flesh is his idea so what he's telling him is he's gonna tie he's gonna keep him tied up he's gonna wait eight days until like they really need to eat and then he's going to slowly now again if we don't always get into all the details with these horror films you know but this just to explain some of this there's gonna have to be explanations of mutilation and things like that so he's telling him that he's going to have to cut off parts of goreng's flesh in order to to be able to eat and so that the flesh doesn't rot, he's going to try to keep him alive. Now, Trimagasi is saying that he's being, uh, he's, he's like watching over him and still trying to be a good friend because he's going to feed Goreng as well. He's going to feed Goreng parts of his own meat. Uh, and he believes that Goreng would not do the same for him. So in his mind, he understands what the system is. He knows how to work within it. And in his mind, he is still a good person, and it is the people above them who are forcing him to do this to his friend Goreng. And he, like, in his mind, it is not a betrayal, and he has actually found a solution in which they can get the best outcome for both of them. Uh, which is not what would happen if if he just let uh, Goreng have free will within that level. Um, now this is much to, and th- this is this is not my like me edi- editorializing this like the. Trimagasi directly tells Goreng all this. Uh, and something that I didn't see a lot of other people commenting on is that in my mind, like this is like the idea of kind of what it is like to um, accept our current system for what it is and try to work within it while doing minimum hard to those around you. And you think that you're doing uh, kind of a service to other people and you think like uh, you're, uh, this is like being charitable to someone else to show them mercy like while staying within the system instead of working together to like figure out a better solution right and this, that's just my idea uh so it is day eight when uh trimagasi finally starts cutting into him and right when he's doing it the platform lowers and miharu who had seen last month coming down through the platform arrives and when she had been there on level 48, Thermagasi had been nice to her. So she remembers this and saves him. Sorry, Goreng had been nice to Miharu. And Miharu saves Goreng from Thermagasi and hands him the knife so that uh, he can kill Thermagasi. And Goreng does so like pretty brutally. Uh, and then Miharu like helps kind of like convinces him to eat bits of Trimagasi to stay alive because they don't have any food down there in level 171 which I think this part is very important because like 
uh, Miharu had already killed Trimagasi by like stabbing him in the throat, and then Goreng goes on to to do like like really finish the job. Kind of uh, there's like a lot of rage in the way that he does it, and I think this is really like an initial loss of innocence that Goreng has, which I think is gonna come into into play later and it's not even like a loss of, it's it's like a catholic loss of innocence right like he hasn't done anything wrong like a lot of it was in self-defense but he like didn't really need to kill him since he was already dead so there's like uh his hands are no longer clean of like taking part in acts of brutality down here next he continues to like chill there eat bits of trimagasi starts hallucinating him talking to him i I'm never a big fan of when there's characters sitting around uh, talking to our main characters in through hallucinations. One of the big exceptions being Gerald's game, in which they they do it really, really well. Um, here, they also do it pretty well. I just I just never care about that so much. But know that any roommate that ends up dead around Goreng continues to come back to him through hallucinations, and I'll, I'll mention what's important. But he continues to to chill there. Uh, Biharu moves on down to other levels so she's not there the whole month but uh Goreng wakes up next time level 33 now he's there with Imoguri is that is that how you pronounce it I don't I don't I don't know where she's from I don't know where she's from so I don't know Imogiri no she's named after Imogiri a royal Javanese cemetery in Indonesia I don't know why so many of these names come from Indonesia if it's a Spanish film honestly um point is she's the person that interviewed Goreng so she actually knows a lot more about the way that the administration works and what's going on here she is there with her dog who's named Ramses II Ramses II I should say uh, which has for some reason the dog is the one with the most important name like one of the most important names in this whole thing uh, Ramses II is uh, widely considered the greatest and most celebrated, most powerful pharaoh back in Egypt. Uh, you may also know him as Ozymandias. For for you nerds out there, that's you know that's the same Ozymandias as the Watchman. Um, he he died at age ninety or ninety one, which I feel like is crazy for people back then, right? Am I, am I, is that, I feel like that's wild. Uh, he also I found very interesting, and this is another thing where a lot of the the kind of reviews that I'd seen other when people are talking about the themes here, people didn't really talk about the Bible or religion and like religion is very prevalent throughout this. Uh, one of the things being that Ramses the second is the Pharaoh during Exodus, which if you don't know, the Bible is the second book and the one where Moses uh, has to like lead, lead the Jewish people out of Egypt and like Pharaoh's after him and all of that. That's where he parts the Red Seas. Uh, something, that I always like to recall from Exodus is that repeatedly, and I, I, you know, you let me know if it if it is uh, important here. I feel like maybe it is. I'm not seeing exactly where, but something that I like about Exodus is that uh, Moses, every time he goes to Pharaoh, and if you don't know the story, like he keeps going to Pharaoh asking for freedom, and every time Pharaoh is like, okay, and then uh, changes his mind and. Through the help of God, Moses casts down another plague and goes back to Pharaoh. But uh, something that people fail to mention is that in the Bible specifically says that every single time that Moses does this and Pharaoh is like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I should let the Jewish people go. Uh, they specifically say that God hardens his heart. So uh, 
the the basic implication is that like in order for this story to take place like god puts his divine fingers down and specifically changes the will of pharaoh so that he does not allow the jewish people to leave um just a just just something to chew on but now we now that this the the, the person who interviewed Goreng Imogiri is there we get a little bit more information about how the this place works because before we didn't know how many levels and she says very specifically that there are 200 levels and that they call this the vertical self-management center not not the whole um of course we're going to keep calling it the whole throughout uh and this is where she we eventually find out that she also came here by choice. She had spent many years interviewing people and sending them down here. She did not know the full extent of what was going on down here. Uh, but she has gotten cancer and has found out that she's not going to live through it. So she has gone down here to try to make things better for the people that are here. And they still don't know. Ex- we, we never really find out why people are doing this. Um, she implies that it is about like kind of a social experiment where if we can find a way to make everybody distribute food evenly throughout the whole on their own, that somehow that could be taken uh, to the outside world. But Gorang argues that perhaps this is just finding out like if there is some way that that happens, how to stop it from happening in the outside world. So we don't, we don't really know the object that uh, Imogiri has brought in is her her dog Ramses too as I mentioned and she immediately starts with the people on the level below trying to persuade them through reason basically like she every day she takes either a portion for herself or Ramses too she never feeds both herself and her dog she alternates so she says that like every other day she gives her dog her ration and she prepares two plates with enough food to sustain somebody for a day and she like tries to convince the people in the next level to only eat what's on those two plates and prepare a portion for the the people below them so that if everybody prepares portions so that the next people down only eat what they need to and save enough for everybody else then everybody throughout the whole can eat and this is what i meant at the beginning before the spoiler configuration where we start to get to see a lot of different ways in which we attempt to solve the situation in this kind of like isolated hypothetical situation uh, and see the ways that it, it does or doesn't work, right? Immediately, these people have already clearly been through a few levels and they're like, you know, fuck you, like we deserve to eat. Like we're, they're level down there, they're level 34. So they're like, we get to eat whatever we want. You can't control it. Uh, and it takes 15 days of her trying to talk to them and they still like refuse and tell her to shut up and things like that. Uh, before Goreng, who still is like, He's a lot more jaded at this point, kind of going through that that catalyst that I that I mentioned, is like finally kind of like appreciates what she's trying to do, and he manages to get them to agree to it because he says that if they don't only eat their fair share, then uh, he's going to shit. He's gonna he's gonna take a shit on all of the food and rub it into everything so that they'll have to eat shit every day, um, and that immediately works with them. And uh, Imogiri is like, okay, good. Now we just have to try to talk to the people above us. And he's like, it will never work. And she's like, why? And he's like, because I can't ship upwards. 
which we immediately have these these two ideas of whether um, kind of we can we can get people to act kinder to each other through reason or whether it needs to happen by force right and through threat and uh, that's already happened like on a very this is already like on a only direct level rather on a rather than on a systemic level which is something that we'll get to later we now get uh miharu comes back down and she's very hurt and she's the one who had helped uh uh goreng earlier so he immediately helps her and this is another moment where i see that like okay people can start to act kinder to each other if anybody starts with one act of kindness right then that act of kindness might be returned or they might act kind towards somebody else in the future and like there's also that idea that like i'm seeing already that uh acts of kindness can start to proliferate throughout society if people just start to do them without expecting anything in return right so miharu is saved by them uh though she's sleeping there in the cell with them and while everybody is asleep miharu and again, as I mentioned, there is animal violence in this one. Uh, Mahara pretty brutally kills Ramses II, and uh, this is this is something that people did talk about, where it, it is significant that uh, Ramses this the death of Ramses II is what causes uh, Imogiri to kind of change her mind and her heart to harden, and for her to no longer believe that it is possible to convince this whole system to be any better she kind of accepts it for what it is and she lets uh goreng know that miharu came in alone and came in without any children uh so now we have this idea that uh, she also lets him know that miharu was like a, a famous actress of some sort so this idea that miharu was like a like a single unmarried childless person who came in here and is now has just gone crazy and is like looking for a child that doesn't exist. And that really kind of cast a dark shadow over any like hope that was starting to shine through. And we start to have this idea also of like, in my mind of where, you know, we talked a little bit about people being able to ascend through acts of kindness. People also, turning bad through tragedy so we have uh miharu who maybe was like a completely different person when she came in is now gunk potentially like completely delusional and uh imogiri who had come in here to try to make a difference has like completely turned about face through the death of ramses the second so they finish out the month and they wake uh Goreng wakes up on level 202, which again, we are way back down now. And there's like the, the significance of it being level 202 is that uh, Imogiri had said there was only 200 levels. So when he wakes up, Imogiri has already committed suicide by hanging, which is significant because most people commit suicide by throwing themselves down through the hole in the center of the room. So... It's this idea that Imogiri thought there was only 200 levels, so the administration has also lied to her. Uh, which I should also mention, the administration had made it very clear to her that there are no children within the hole. 
So now any lots of things that we've come to learn about the administration might be lies because there's at least like they're, they're on level 202 and when Goreng looks downwards, there's many levels below him. And she becomes another one of the ghosts that's talking to him or like the, the hallucinations. Uh, and now there starts to be, she talks a lot of, uses a lot of the same language as is used in Catholicism and other Christian religions with uh, the eating of the body of Christ and starts referring to Goreng as a messiah or messiah of shit. Um, you should know that, it, I don't know if you're aware of this listener, but uh, Spain and a lot of Spanish-speaking countries are extremely Catholic, mainly because of uh, Spain's colonialism, which I won't get into right now. Uh, but so this, I, I think it's all incredibly important to the film. And I think like a, a lot of the reviews that I had seen were from white folk. And, uh, I think, you know, sometimes when you're trying to analyze films from other countries, you, you miss some of the, uh, the importance of culture that's there. So Catholicism is huge in, in Spain. So you can't just ignore like these references that are being made to, to the eating of the body of Christ because they, uh, Goreng starts imagining that Imogiri is telling him that she specifically killed herself there and didn't throw herself down as a gift to him as the Messiah to eat her body so that he may live and make change. Because she was also talking about that the only way to make change within the whole is to for a spontaneous act of, uh, I want to say it was unity or something else like that. And so he's got this going on. He eventually relents and starts eating her body so that he can survive. He's on level 202. He's not getting any food otherwise. Uh, and he's kind of going crazy at this point. And we see him counting a lot. Like, it, you could kind of tell he's counting the seconds that are going by. But he makes it through the month, wakes up on level six with a new roommate, uh, Baharat, which means spice in Arabic used in Middle Eastern Turkish and Greek cuisines. I don't know why he's called that. I don't I don't know what he has to do with spice. But his his thing that he brought in was a rope and he's very clearly very religious. Uh and he's talking to the people in level five, the level above them, to try to he's very excited because he's on level six, so he's finally close enough to use the rope to climb all the way out. And he just needs the each person on the level above him to help him by like so he can throw them the rope and they can hold on to it while he climbs up. They respond by, they talk to him very condescendingly and then uh, say, okay. And when he's climbing the rope, one of them takes a shit on his face and he falls back down to his level, not through all the holes and he loses his rope. Um, and they hang out for a while. Like I said, he's, he's, he's very religious. A lot of the conversation they had with the people above him is about uh, that. God has told him to, to get out of there and that anybody who helps him will, will basically get to go to heaven. And Goreng has this idea that with his help, if they stand on the platform, they're on level six, so they have plenty of food right now. If they stand on the platform with weapons, then they can go down through each level and uh, basically threaten everybody to not take more food than they're supposed to. Their plan ends up being like the first, the people in the first 50 levels don't need to eat because they get to eat every day. And uh, everybody below, they'll give out like a, a small portion to just enough to live off of so they can get the food down as far as they can. Uh, and he's the seconds that he was counting previously, he's calculated that um, because of the 
the amount of time that the platform stops at each level and when it comes all the way back up, when it starts flying back up, as it flies back up very quickly, that there must be around 250 levels. Now, Baharat initially doesn't want to because he's on level 6 and he's so close to the top, but he, he explains like if they go all the way to the bottom and, you know, they don't have enough food or no, it doesn't work out, then they can just ride it all the way back up to the top and it will, you know, he'll get to go to the top anyways. And they specifically mention that it is like the idea of going down in order to go up. Now, this is where I start thinking, I mean, I, there's there's other moments throughout, but for me, this really strikes the idea of the Inferno and the Divine Comedy because in it, uh, uh, Dante is led through the, the different layers of hell by Virgil and he has to go down through all the layers until he gets to the bottom layer in order to uh, where where Lucifer is and they have to crawl up Lucifer's back to get out of hell and into purgatory and then into paradiso uh, heaven so this the idea of going down to ascend back up is all very divine comedy you know that's I don't know that's just me that's my thought I I don't know what you want from me it's just what I see now we have a different idea going on here, right? So before we we have different ideas in, in which we can make this whole like kind of capitalistic system work through through force or through coercion, through explaining to people how to do things better. Now we literally have forced communism through controlling the means of production. I mean, like they literally are on the platform that has all the food. They have control over it, and they're deciding to kind of uh, disperse it evenly. As they're going down, the uh, they one of the levels they get, now this it is a violent ride down. Like basically, they are bashing away anybody that tries to get to it, and they're bashing them like hard. Like they're probably killing people on the way down. They get to a level. This also it includes one level where there's people who helped Baharat before, and he still like agrees to Goreng's plan and bashes off one of his previous friends in order to like kind of help the masses like you the, the idea being that you have to put the good of everybody above even your own personal relationships even if somebody helps you out in a fucked up system like you can't just raise everything in order to repay them right like we have to break this cycle of like payment and repayment uh, in order to be able to help everyone now they get to a level where there's only there's a man who's only known as like the wise man basically who taught uh, Baharat a lot. I don't know if they were roommates at some point or they were like above or below each other. But this uh, the wise man convinces them to instead of just bashing everybody immediately, like try to talk to them first, and that it's not enough just to get everybody fed all the way to the bottom. They need to get a perfect meal all the way back up to floor zero to serve as a message to the administration. Not not the administration because he says that they. They can't be reasoned with. They don't have any sort of conscience, but to the people who work for the administration on level zero to try to get their help by sending them this message that they were able to bring one perfect dish all the way through all the levels and all the way back up. So they become there's like a little cake that they have basically that they try to keep safe as they continue going through the levels. Uh, unfortunately, when they get far enough down, they find out that levels in which everybody's dead the platform doesn't stop. 
So this idea that it was going to be around 250 levels is wrong. It's definitely more. And while they're going down, we have like a long, long montage of like some very cool action, them fighting people off. Uh, there's one where somebody who, who what they brought in was just a bunch of cash. And so he's like literally throwing down cash on them after they've like given him something to eat. Uh, he stops by one floor where they're helping somebody who's dying and the other cellmate that they help, he's it just tells him like as soon as they're gone, he's going to cut his belly open and eat what they gave him. So like we see all sorts of fucked up shit. They like the, the guy with the cash is like throws the money down at them as they're going down. So they're literally going down with like cash falling around them. And like the symbolism can't be more on the nose. Like these, these ideas are not hard to parse out. I know that that might not be everybody's jam, but like I said, if I had somebody else here to work off of, I think they're there. It would elicit some very interesting conversations. That's all I'm saying. Now, they get to a floor where they see uh, Miharu being attacked by somebody and they they fight them off and they win, but Miharu dies and they both get pretty severely injured. They're both like bleeding out pretty bad, so like the rest of the ride is tough. Uh, this is the point where uh, Goreng has like a foot hanging off of the platform and like the, the platform is only wide enough to fit through the hole, so we even see at some point that somebody let their body hang off the hole and the platform like completely sliced off their torso. So him just nonchalantly hanging out with his foot off the platform to me is like, come on, you get, you, get, you have enough energy to pull that foot in a little bit. I, I don't know. But they reach level 333. Now, this is important because there are two people per level. So we find out level... Th- 333 is basically the bottom, which means there's 666 people within the hole, which, I mean, come on. Like, I don't know why more people aren't talking about religion and hell and Catholicism here. Like, this is, it's very, it's very obvious. But when they get to the to level 333, there's nobody but a child underneath one of the beds. And this is kind of weird because it's, it's a little girl rather than a little boy. And, uh, Miharu's child was supposed to be a little boy. So we don't know if it's actually Miharu's child. We don't know if they're both bleeding out and imagining things. Like really exactly what's going on. If it's really that the administration lied and there are children down here. I mean, that's the only child that we see the whole time. But uh, all they have left at this point is the cake. And they decide... Like at first, Baharat doesn't want to give the child the cake because it's the it's supposed to be the message that you bring back up to the top. And this, to me, like the the thing that I thought about was like this idea of there's always going to be a wise man that has an idea for how to like what is going to be the most effective that is going to come at the expense of people, right? But uh, Goreng manages to convince Baharat that. You know, to just let the child eat the cake, which is like this whole idea of like that we're we're going to win by sacrificing people, right? Is is in itself kind of like just building up like this new corrupt, newly corrupt system. Um, and as we see, like uh, Baharat bleeds out, but Goreng comes to understand that uh, the child is like the new and better message that they can bring up. So by like actually wanting to help someone. They haven't sacrificed the the progress that they're making. They've actually made like a new and even better point, 
without having to, to sacrifice human life in order to do it. So, you know, sometimes it is just like, I think about remembering that like, sometimes it is enough to be a good person and to care about other people rather than to <clears throat> give in to this complicated, like just any sort of logic rhetoric where they tell you that you need to, to be a little bit worse in order to do like the actual right thing or be the most effective. And that gets a little complicated and, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's a lot easier here in this kind of constrained hypothetical situation than it is in larger, larger society levels. Right. But that's pretty much it. We like, we're pretty much at the ending. I mean, Goreng, uh, stays with the child. They ride the platform back down below level 333 to this like large dark pit in which uh his original roommate Trimagasi tells him your journey is over the message doesn't need a bearer and he just like steps off the platform and walks away uh as him and Trimagasi continue their little romance and the platform rises very quickly with the child still asleep on it and we don't actually get to see what what happens with the child uh that's obviously how the director wanted it. I think they, it's the, the director, I can't pronounce their name, but the screenplay is by, uh, David DeSola and the story is by him too. Screenplay also by Pedro Rivero. So, I know that the creators, this is all very intentional. I mean, the idea is supposed to be kind of, since it is such a direct criticism of our current society and like to, cause you to think about some of these things like the idea is supposed to be like what do you think is going to happen and like what what does it make you think about you know to to have this idea of sacrificing everything to send a message because when you when we go back over it uh goreng was only supposed to be there for six months he's at level 48 171 33 202 level six uh in the movie Trimagasi tells him all he has to do is go to the next level doesn't matter where he is if he kills his cellmate Baharat, uh then he will be able to survive and make it out of the whole thing and have his degree and everything but he sacrifices himself in order to just be able to send this message back up to level zero uh so it is you know, it would be one thing if this movie was just a message that was trying to be sent and the movie wasn't good, but it's also, like, I, I thought it was fucking enthralling the whole way through. So, I, I don't know. I think I it probably needs a rewatch. I probably need to watch it and discuss it with some other people, but I'm I'm sitting on a ghost skull alien over here right now. It's got a, it's got a 70-some, I think, around tomatoes. I, for, I forget. It's got a high score. What is this? Uh, 79% based on 95 reviews. That's pretty good, I think. I don't know. I didn't have a high budget. What's this? What's this budget looking at? Uh, nope. Don't got a budget, but it's uh, 94 minutes. That's a clean 94 minutes. It's gonna be 55 minutes just to cover it. I mean, I know you're not gonna get 55 minutes, but uh, I've been talking for 55 minutes, so that's uh, that's it. Let let me know what you think, please, please. Let me know if I did better than Brian. That would just that would just make my fucking day. Just to, just to be able he would have to do a whole nother solo episode just to try to top me so you know that's that's extra work for him that's that's great i know that's probably pro capitalism maybe that's fighting somebody with capital i don't make me consider that regardless uh 
I don't have any guests, so there's no pluggables today, but I want to thank Eyes of Historia for our wonderful theme song, Deadwalk, and you can find uh, John from Eyes of Historia and Melanie, who runs our wonderful Instagram on various episodes at thebloodystream.com under podcast people. And uh, that's that's it. You, uh, I'm not going to I don't know how to what the what the proper outro. Ooh, I gotta be careful. See if I don't if I don't outro right now, I am just gonna vamp forever because I I usually need somebody else to stop. So um, this is what is it? What is it? Okay, it's uh, I I've been no, we don't say our names. This is if you want to watch listen to more of the bloody stream, you can you can find us at the the same bloody time same bloody channel. Good night.